0: There are beings with a little dust in their eyes. Pray, teach the Dhamma out of anukampa, out of recognizing these are animate systems. We're not just fixed, we're not ideas, We're not notions, we're not stereotypes, we're not names, we're not numbers, we're not nationalities. We're animate, which means we feel, we sympathize, we mirror, we resonate, we echo. Now, rather like bats or dolphins sending out bleeps, you know, and then orienting around the echoes, We're, as something in us is doing that too. Often underneath the surface of thought, there's signaling, "Am I okay? "I'm okay. How is that?" Is she looking at me? Is he okay? Open, welcome, safe, comfortable, interesting, strange, frightening, what? Some kind of primal resonance is occurring. Mm -hmm. Sometimes called intuitive, intuitive intelligence, because it's non-verbal. I guess the promise, arthiti. This, how if you want to render that, the spirit of compassion, the spirit that oversees the animate world, is asking the Buddha to um, descend or ascend from the unconditioned into the animate experience out of a sense of sympathy you You too are have a body you too have been born you too receive food nourishment parenting felt pain pleasure didn't want to die Mm -hmm. just like every other sentient being you belong to this Therefore, you have to respond to that. And this is not just a historical event. In my opinion, this is a constant requirement for all of us. However little our Buddha quality is, to <laughs> uh, respond with sympathy to the animate condition. This one that we call myself, Other ones we call other people, wider sphere of it we might call nature, the created world, sentient, alive, trembling, resonant, seeking food, born and dying, Mm. resisting pain and destruction and yet suffering from pain and destruction. Mm. And so in this, this place when the heart sits at that point realising this then what is there to say what is there to do suffering has to be understood mm. path to the elimination of it has to be practised So, possibility and privilege is humans The um, way and also the difficulty is in this animate condition, in body condition, because uh, um. it's the piece that feels. And every uh, there are only two bases of feeling. One is citta, heart, and the other is body. Mm-hmm. And generally what's seen, thought, sensed, imagined, touches the citta and a lot of what's seen, thought, sensed, imagined is stressful citta gets very stressed and confused and in that stress and confusion establishes all kinds of defense strategies uh, denial, avoidance strategies comfort seeking um, counter attack uh, holding on to maintain security because it's under siege from disagreeable, confusing, or stressful or injurious impressions. Mm. Mm. And this transfers into the body. So the body acts as the baseline where all the residues of the heart get dumped has to go somewhere so it goes into the body into the embodied state which becomes tends to seize up people who become numb or, or um, only half here you know, the vitality it gets clogged the body also receives its own impressions Somatically, from the ter- territory it moves around in. So we move around in a world which is increasingly deanimated. In its technological, it's machine-like, uh, and so so operating according to statutes, institutions, structures, laws, which are themselves. Are inanimate they don't feel anything they're, they're just flat you yeah. um. know they have no feeling they don't live mm. they're not born and dying they feel no pain no sympathy and these master a lot of our uh, daily lives are governed by these systems and structures and people morph into those mm and act like them. So we are all subject to this uh, gross um, deanimation, a world of death, world of the dead, of the non-living, mm, non-feeling, profoundly um, disturbing, for the body for the somatic sense which you know you imagine being like a dog or a cat and they just don't understand <laughs> they can't get it you know <laughs> uh, they know warmth and frilliness and uh, fear and they know attack but they don't know this strange world of right and wrong and uh, deadlines and schedules and futures and so forth. And the body's rather like that. it's an animal body. but it still acts as the basis for our emotional life. Now, emotions may of course be triggered by sights, sounds, thoughts, impressions ideas, definitely they can touch, they touch the citta Chitta trembles receives an idea, an imperative a request, an invitation or whatever and it resonates and it resonates and it affects the body as you practice, you notice that everything that you really get you get in your body You don't get it in your body, you haven't got it yet. You get some sense of a shiver or a shift or an opening or a closing or a rising up or a sinking down. Something occurs somatically. Uh And this shifting, this shifting, this... Tightening, this releasing, this bubbling, this uh, opening, this closing, this contraction—that shift is the basis for the, emo- the surge we call our emotions. That rush, that movement, that suffusion, whether it's pleasant, bright, joyful, or distressed, or frantic, or raging, or guilty—all that something moves, doesn't it? it? Shifts and runs through you, runs through your body. That's that's called an emotion. Now, it may very well carry a whole load of thoughts and ideas, but the the vitality of it, the rush of it, is embodied. And uh, it rushes up, and then the residues are left, rather like a tide that washes in, And whatever it's washed in, when the tide, when you know the the trigger ceases or stops or is switched off, the residues are left there, rather like like a wave carrying in sand and grit and flotsam and jetsam, rushes up the beach. Tide withdraws; you're left with all the bits and pieces of what the tide has brought in. Similarly, what the emotional body rushes What it carries with it, when the emotion calms down or recedes, the residues remain. And they remain in the body, in the somatic body, that is. They remain as resistance or remain as uh, joyfulness, openness, for good or for bad. Tension. Now of course some of this movement can be very positive and that's one of the blessings. If we keep triggering and reiterating and taking in and lingering in the wholesome, the tide washes in wholesome, helpful residues which make us feel stronger or brighter. This is basically the strategy of meditation or mind cultivation. You deliberately cultivate and linger in the wholesome. So the wholesome tendencies become embodied and push out the unwholesome. Unwholesome tendencies, doubt, regret... Pressure, anger, guilt, fear, uh, recrimination, craving, you know, that stuff rushes in. When the rush ceases, you're left with the residues. And the residues are those always not tangle the body, your somatic body. Called, mm, Now, this only has to happen a few times, particularly if you're in a situation where you're chronically getting triggered with the same signals. What occurs is then essentially somatic, you, the mind, the chitta, closes off the somatic sense. You don't want to know anymore, it shuts it down. So instead, we re- keep referring to the chitta, then refers to its thoughts. Mano, Mm -hmm. just bear in mind you have citta, we might call that sensitivity, awareness, intelligence, heart. Mano, you have thinking, conceiving, um, that which organizes, defines objects, the intellect, you could say. Which is considered a sense organ by the Buddha, just like the eye, the ear, the nose, the tongue. And tactile body are sense organs. They they deal with objects. They manifest objects. They handle objects. Whatever is handled by manal goes into citta, into the heart, where it has a felt effect, a resonance, a shiver, a surge, a retraction. Mm that transfers into into the body. Mm. And when the impression, when the triggering stops, pauses, yeah, maybe that tide What you know you get over the emotion, but the residues remain. Unless unless you've been fortunate enough or skillful enough, had the time enough to fully discharge. Which is you know, recommended process just to take the time to touch into how I, how am I feeling in my body, and uh, what would help that tension or that nervousness or that distress to drain to drain away. Uh, breathing out, um, moving, walking at least not reiterating the damage <laughs> attuning to the wholesome breathing it in resting your body, relaxing in your body you know, the whole body this is the general process and certainly you, know, you see this outline many times in the Buddhist teachings such as Anapanasati breathing in, breathing out sensitive to the entire body Calming the bodily energy, the bodily formation, which we mean the somatic presence of the body, soothing it, calming it. Mm. Calming the mental formation, the mindset, the mental program, jitta sankara, calming it, steadying it, soothing it. This is a sense of discharge of these stressful residues. Now, if we just have a bit of a historical review, you can recognise, yeah, this this is the right idea, by all, certainly. But maybe the uh, landscape has changed in some respect, in that the Buddha was living with trees and rhythms of nature, and trees, rhythms of nature, certainly wild animals, certainly wild people disease, sickness, death, so yeah that's all there, what isn't there is the presence of the deanimated to the extent that we experience it, no cars, no lights, no electricity, no deadlines, no commuting, no emails, (laughs) no surveillance, no closed circuit TV watching you, No card to punch, no dead no time, no clock. The rush to rush to tell you what time it is, to rush on. No beginning and ending of work at a particular time. No project to get to the end of t- by the end of the week. None of that. These deanimated structures within which we live, not there. Well, you know maybe that we might think that's kind of well way out of reach anyway but certainly not not idyllic in that it's pretty rough and wild out there but um, it's animated you can reflect on it you can sort of train yourself to be present with it because there's something really there you know that is it is hot it is cold and there are snakes they're there and then they're gone and you can you can you know there's a there's, there's something embodied and animate there you can respond to it you can calm it you can feed it you can soothe it you can step back from it. But when it's something like a law, or a light, or a bleep, or a project, or a deadline, where do you step back? Where's the space? Where's, where's that? Doesn't it eventually just wrap around you? And what happens in such a situation is essentially, there's also a mechanism that begins to kick in, like a survival mechanism, which is shut down that sensitivity Uh, from the somatic sense it gets shut down or extremely limited and mostly then our attention will go to thinking and to the sense data it will go out so yeah we're living full lives even maybe quite enjoyable busy lives doing kinds of interesting things you know reading and learning and stuff like that all out there but so you don't really notice the somatic sense is is minimal closed until perhaps you come to sit in silence in meditation where there isn't the sense data and because there isn't the sense data what will happen is you'll start to create them as that's the orientation now we can't necessarily create sight or sound but we can create thought plenty so what happens thought, memory, project plan, interpretation, regurgitation And recycle the damage. (laughs) Return to the scene of the crime and and think about it some more. So one ends up trawling and re triggering stuff that hasn't been discharged. Because it's still, at a certain point, if the somatic field is closed, the chitta has nowhere else to dump it anymore so it just sits in the heart as resentment or fear or unworthiness yeah. some kind of slightly ugly sense tainted sense unworthy You know, need to be something else don't quite know what it is this means this this sign which many people experience perhaps somewhere between 99 and 100 percent of people experience <laughs> not quite worthy enough good enough and then you can fill in the blanks what you're not good enough at really it, it tends to be more or less anything <laughs> and perhaps everything because <coughs> it's non-specific it's just this hovering cloud that then imparts onto everything and but as we may experience it most commonly when we sit and meditate, then that's the the scenario in which we most readily recognize this residue of unresolved, undischarged stuff. Well, I I can't meditate well enough. (laughs) Mm. Good enough. So therefore, try harder pressure push think get ideas get plans projects ambitions to get to this state that state pressure deadline there we are again re-enacting the very scenario that we're trying to release ourselves from Pressure, deadline, gotta be, get it right. Push, not good enough, more. Reenacting in the meditative domain the very problem that we should be encouraged to discharge, not even to blame. Or well, why am I like this? Like the Buddha says, somebody shoots an arrow, and you've got this arrow in you, stuck in your chest. It's not the time to ask why they shot it or where they came from. You just pull it out. (laughs) That's the first thing. But again, in this, uh, you know, inadequately. uh, inadequate somatic presence because we don't know how to just discharge we go into reasoning, why? what's wrong? what did I do? what didn't I do? how could I be? what's wrong with him? why do they do that? this is a kind of the chitter's attempt to summon another w- w- get this arrow out If only I knew why, I could change myself. If I knew what was wrong with me, I could improve it. it, This is the citta's desperate attempt to acquire or return to a sanity or a health or a balance which we have some memory of or aspiration for or intuitive sense it could be. And yes, it could be, but not that way. It could be by discharging dukkha. And this body or somatic field, somatic presence, is an important part to play just in the sheer energetic release of that. The release of it. Then you can understand it. Look in the language, in the Buddha's language, it says such things as one touches with one's body the immaterial realms, one touches with one's body the deathless, one touches. And the sense of release and realization is associated very much with touching seems kind of odd how can you touch how can you touch a deathless what's that it means your somatic field has completely released and you know it you feel open free from boundary free from pressure free from disturbance Mm. and you know it Knowing it is associated with vision. Wisdom associated with wisdom. Release is associated with something much more embodied. You breathe out and you know, ah, that has gone. I see it now, it was that. But to get it in that way, this is the you know this is the uh, skill of the embodied condition and of course it's also the pain of the embodied condition as we enter our somatic domain as you sit and you will enter it really whether you wish to or not because when the music stops that's what you're left with the residues and uh, you know they can run around in your thinking processes and they can run around in your emotional this that and the other tribunals and hopes and wishes and so forth but as you sit and walk and sit and walk you feel them in your body and there can be a considerable amount of distress in there it's not an easy field. Mm-hmm. Often disturbed, sometimes almost nauseous, broken, tight. Mm-hmm. So we enter this really with the measureless heart, the citta of goodwill, sympathy. Of sympathy, and beauty is that the, the animate living experience is by its nature responsive by itself. give it a little bit of sympathy, it recognises that. It starts to wake up, brighten up. Mm. starts to, to do its work, Start to, it starts to um, discharge. This isn't always a clear or comfortable experience, sometimes we just feel like collapse or yeah you know, God I need some air, I need to move around, fresh air. Uh, I feel disorganized. Yeah, this is a bit sometimes it's rather emetic in, in the in the experience, purgative. But you know, you're coming one could be coming out of some extremely constricted states in which this release isn't smooth. Mm. Certainly the mind of goodwill, heart of goodwill, will make it as smooth as possible. Hmm. Patient, loving acceptance. You know, when we have this um, time together, for this particular uh, occasion where the encouragement is to, uh, you know, get on the boat and push off from the shore and leave the job behind, and leave the world behind, and even leave the um, time frame behind. Mm? So not just the physical world, but also this, the the way in which our lives are structured in terms of hours and days and you know, and um, progress and achievement and worthwhile and you know always going getting better or ma- working things out, just you know really trying to just get on board with a mind of sympathy. And this body these to the chitta in its aspect of sympathetic goodwill. This body, its ability to respond and release. So, yeah, certainly for myself, in this time, I rarely go out. I mean, I might walk the loop trail. I'd recommend uh, making this like a mandala. You have a a relationship uh, with a particular piece of territory, and just living within that. You're mindful of your territory, physical territory. And so use the territory itself as a meditation. In this, in this realm, in this particular zone, the retreat center zone, it's quite large, quite spacious, whole of the IMS uh, wooded area and so on, you can also contemplate the animate experience externally. The rhythm of it, the tangle of it, the strange natural twisted beauty of it, the uh, the energy of it, the hmm, spontaneity of it the quietness of it, the sudden bright bursts of birds this is the, this is an example of the strange order of nature that this body is part of hmm. and you respond you listen contemplate it so this isn't so much just purely like a nature study with the eyes or taking notes with the mind as the uh, biology or botany but heart taking the heart out this is this is where you live this is what you're born into this this is your territory this is what you're born into uh, and feel it freshness coolness it, uh, it's alive, it's not centrally heated, it's not air-conditioned, it's not, uh, has no walls in it, it's alive, it knows you, and you get a kind of a sense uh, on a gut level of a recognition your nerve endings light up your attention becomes wide because there's no going forwards there's no straight lines there's no road which narrows your attention down to a point on the horizon it's very much all around it's behind you underneath your feet it's in your nostrils it's making sounds it's multifaceted you are encased in it you're wrapped in nature it's not something spread out in front of you there's no end to it there's no get to the end point all these have their effects beings who are conditioned by streets traffic lights, intersections, cars, things called miles, numbers, <laughs> speed, and you drop all that. Where are you? And how does that feel? That's where the Buddha lived. That's where the great Arahants lived. They felt that's their territory, where they felt most naturally in harmony with it. And So we form a relationship with our natural state, learning from it how to walk, how to move. So we're not just trampling across it to get somewhere, we're moving within it. Respectful of it. Weary of it. Knowing it can trip you up. Something really comes alive in that. This is the way in which we've now, sensory domain in a retreat center situation, is something that instead of giving us these signals of the dead, deanimated, the non-responsive which we then get affected by, to the extent in which we become deanimated towards ourselves, non-responsive towards ourselves, flat walled in ourselves, wrapped around by time, deadlines, rushing on a future, in ourselves. We take the message and we embody that into our whole way of life. Working for a future that never happens. Trying to tie up the last loose end even as the next loose end opens up. There's no end to it and yet we're rushing on to get to it. And we take in that message of the deanimated condition and we do it to ourselves. So, just taking on a different message. How does the body walk? How does it breathe? And so you use use the whole of this uh, territory uh, to help to discharge the triggers, the structures that we may have. Internalized. So that, you know, clearly sitting still is by itself no magical solution. If you sit still carrying the same old messages, the same old structures, then, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's not, not, you're not going to release very much. It's also the case that sometimes you know you, you can't, uh, you know, you're no, your somatic sense is not healthy enough or tuned in enough to be able to do it. Or just sitting still, you do need to move around and take in some of that that benevolent, that uh, sympathetic quality. Mm. Even you're doing what you call walking meditation bear in mind that when you walk there are certain qualities to that or necessary factors of that that you should be aware of one is that you're walking on ground how does that feel and the moment your foot leaves the ground and the space if there's no space you can't walk absolutely no matter how hard you try unless there's space you can't walk do you acknowledge the space element? Do you feel space opening around you as you walk? Mm. Do you allow your body just to flow through space, or are you looking at the end of the path, trying to get somewhere, or at some idea of your mind, in your mind, of concentration? You're trying to get to, trying to get to this thing called concentration, at the end, which is at the end of your mind. How do you get there? It's, it's virtual territory, it's an idea. <laughs> but one who abides in the presence of their body, releasing what should be released, sustaining what should be sustained for such a one the body feels relaxed and comfortable. When the body is relaxed and comfortable, the mind is happy. When the heart is happy, it concentrates. It settles. It enters unification. And that's, that's the line of process. When the body feels refreshed, rejuvenated, uncontracted, non-congested, at ease, fluid, rhythmic, comfortable, heart is happy, heart is happy, it doesn't go anywhere else, it doesn't kick up, worry and down, it doesn't grumble or moan, it doesn't lurch and reach out and crave, it doesn't fester, it doesn't stagnate, it's free from hindrance. Therefore, it settles in itself. This is concentration or samadhi. You don't have to beat it down. Responding in this sense. taking in the whole body. The Buddha made a point in the teachings on Anapanasati. <clears throat> it's like you set up the body sitting upright, the root of a tree. Sense canopy, shelter, shaded, cool, out of the blaze of the heat, away from the tumult, secluded, canopy, tree, trunk behind me, safe establishing that whether you have a tree or not you carry that that's the meaning, that's the felt message that you come back to time and time again you're not an isolated entity you're in the presence of a shelter you've taken refuge, how does that feel? and something in you feel grounded and rested in that seeing the spine upright, lengthening feeling the fullness of the upright axis the fall which rises from the ground as you sit, feel grounded like the tree, like you have roots and then the spine rising up from the base of the spine up through the top of the head. Sets the spine upright. Mindful. So satova sassati, so satova passati. Mindful breathing in, mindful breathing out. Mindfully aware of this rhythmic process. So, in the, you know, somatic references, there are, three primary references that put the somatic form in the right place first is ground it means something I don't have to keep hold it holds me I've got something you know, it's just the physical floor beneath me or the pressure of my feet on the ground or a sense of this is my place yeah. I'm here I don't owe it. I don't, deserve, I don't have to deserve it. It's given. Mm. Uh, ground. You come back to that. And you get it in your body, get it in your heart. Mm. Ground. Very important reference. Many times it's lost. We're always in transit. Or we have to own our ground. Or we have to claim our ground. Or we have to keep other people out of our ground. Or we have to be good enough to have this place all those references have to dissolve ground is that which is happy to receive you make it so let your body rest on it lie down on it feel your back on it Mm. that's carrying you ground very important reference if you don't if that isn't there you will create ground Out of an opinion or a view or an attitude, you'll create psychological ground and you'll try to make that firm. This leads to dogmatism, where people try to establish a ground on an idea or a thought and how much stress and conflict gets generated through that. It's not ground, it's a platform. get off the platform, get on the ground. Space. So this again is a given. We have space around us. We move through space. Space is within us. Our belly open. Our chest opens. Our throat opens. Space manifests within us. Truly this body is just membranes flexing in space. Just membranes, tissues flexing. In space, able to flex because there is space, wrapping around space, mm-hmm. moderating space, playing with it. Mm-hmm. Be aware of that around your body, within your body, the space between one footstep and the next, the space between one thought and the next. Very important reference. There's no speed in space, there's no push, space doesn't do that, it's the absence of any pressure whatsoever, whatsoever, any pressure, absence of any pressure whatsoever, is called space. It's not holding things back. It's a natural quality, and it helps to discharge the congestion. It's the space is that which allows the tangles to unravel. Third reference: rhythm. Rhythm means hey, you're alive. Rhythm is. Pulses, palpitating, trembling, breathing, slow rhythm, long breath, breathing out, the movement, the breath tide, breathing in, rhythmic. So satova asati, so satova pasati, asati pasati. This is breathing in, breathing out. And they're always together. Throughout the Anapanasati Sutta, as you will recognize and we'll be chanting it this rhythmic process fundamental rhythm of life everything does that sun rises sunsets birth death breathing in breathing out sometimes fast palpitations heartbeat and um, we tune into that rhythm even if it's not nice and smooth that's where you have to start because thoroughly, steadying, soothing that until you touch it, you haven't got anything to soothe it's not a matter of jumping through hoops it's a matter of feeling the rhythm as it is and the encouragement is, could this be steadier, more comfortable? doesn't mean slower. It doesn't mean faster. That's, who knows? It's not about going as slow as possible. No, it just means, is this steady and comfortable in an appropriate to what I'm living with? can be walking, walking briskly, walking slowly, standing still, breathing in and out. As long as it's got that same quality of energy rises and discharges. That's the cleansing of the coagulated, tangled field. And tuning to that, your mind begins also to release its pressures and its constrictions and its uh, and certainly quite a bit of emotional stuff starts moving once we enter true rhythm patient loving acceptance of the process whole body Mm -hmm. so again this is uh, right there in teachings mindfulness of breathing it's there when we're breathing, it should be there when we walk. Certainly, the whole body participates in walking. In you know, the deanimated condition, it doesn't. In the de- deanimated condition, what walks is the eyes and the brain. And they walk to the nearest set of wheels and get going. so we've you know we're getting trained into that whereby walking is really a a mental volition to arrive somewhere else (laughs) using this body to do it well in meditation you're not arriving somewhere else so just start to Be a learner when you stand. What's going to get this body moving? How does it walk? How do the weights shift and the balances shift and the hips and the shoulders and the shift? How do things loosen up? It's not a head walking on top of a body. It's not a head sitting on top of a body that's that's moving along. It's the whole body, just like you're swimming. You know, if you want to refer to an experience that you may have already, consider your body walking to be like a body swimming. You yeah? because that's something we don't do in order to get anywhere. And that's perhaps our, yeah, where you get, oh yeah, it means the arms, the legs, yeah. the waist, the chest, yeah. everything feels it, flexes with it. Walking's rather like that, but perhaps slightly uh, less vigorous. And on dry land, swimming through space, walking. You get into a rhythm with that. Mm. And, uh, and the Buddha's instructions on walking are rather simple. He said, this is good for sustained energy. Mm-hmm. Energy is kept steady through this. It helps to you know, balance one's energy. And one walks dispelling that which needs to be dispelled. One walks to and fro dispelling that which needs to be dispelled. That's, that's the instruction. So, you know, it kind of leaves it fairly open, doesn't it? But uh, the point is, the real point is what needs to be dispelled. And I'm suggesting we need to dispel the messages of the deanimated condition. It's time frames, and it's destination fever, and it's fascination with objects, and it's getting to the fixed position, and it's arriving at a final state. All these messages when you feel them, when you resonate with them, yeah? however convincing they are as ideas, when you resonate with them, you know, this is stress. This is dukkha. <laughs> Why did I not see that? This is dukkha. And release, release. It has to be released. And your body will do that you trust it and you give it the lead